Please stand with me as we read God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious, gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We pray that as we study a portion of your word, that it may impact our lives in such a way that we're, we walk out of here changed uh, toward how you would have us act and walk and relate to other people, especially in relation to them when we lift them up in prayer and when we ask for prayer. We pray that we might take this example from Nehemiah and the king whom he served and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in today's message, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage and look at it specifically how it relates to us when we talk to other people and when we ask other people for for prayer. We talked before about how prayer uh, between us and God, it's, it's a serious thing. It's a serious matter, and we shouldn't be so flippant with our prayers. Uh, and if that's the case, why would we do so when we are praying for other people, whenever we're lifting other people up to the Lord in prayer, uh, it should be a serious thing. And we'll look at some practical uh, applications and some things as we go through this sermon and this lesson today out of Nehemiah chapter 2 that might help us. Because a lot of times, if, you, uh, if you'll listen to people and if you'll look at especially at, at social media, that's probably the, the best example that we can have of, of things uh, of what not to do a lot of times. I look at some of those things and say, okay, am I really honoring God? Am I, being, am I glorifying Him when I'm talking with, other, some, with, with another person and asking for prayer or when they ask me for prayer? Am I, am I honoring and glorifying God with that? On the screen ahead, you'll see uh, the definition of intercede, I hope. Yeah, we, I put it in there. In intercession, this is to intervene between two parties. 
prayer, petition, or entreaty in favor of another. So what we're doing when we're interceding uh, on another's behalf or someone else's interceding on our behalf, they're going between, before God for us. That's no small thing. When we look at prayer, it's no small thing to ask somebody for prayer. So when, when we look at this today, we need to be thoughtful about our prayers. We need to be mindful that God does listen to us, that He hears us, and that He hears others on our behalf. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Here in in the New Testament, Paul's reminding his protege, Timothy, that intercession is very important. And it's not just for a select few. It shouldn't be just for our buddies or our church family. It should be for for anybody. But we have to do so with a a mind of respect before God and a mindfulness that God does listen to us. And what we're going to do today is look at a few different things, a few principles based on Nehemiah chapter 2, and you have those in your bulletin. You have the three main portions of it, and then the other parts will come up as we talk about. So the first one we're going to look at is verses 1 through 2, and it's business as usual. Uh, And you might say, well, why are we talking about business as usual right here? Uh, Well, look at Nehemiah's example. Uh, We had learned in chapter 1 of Nehemiah that Nehemiah learned of this crisis in November and December, right? And here it is, March or April. So what did Nehemiah do this whole time, from November, December, all the way to March and April? He did what he was supposed to do, right? He went to work. He, he acted as the cupbearer. We don't see Nehemiah holing up in a closet because he has a problem, and we have, we have a book of Nehemiah that's, oh, woe is me, things are terrible, uh, look at my life. No, we have him actually going on as normal, that he has a problem, that you and I all deal with different things. But Nehemiah shows us the example that he goes on as normal. Uh, and what does this tell us? We learn from Nehemiah that, number one, I have in my notes, that, uh, that he could have went from point A, November, December, to March or April, because the king may have been in Florida. Right? The king may have been actually away in his summer palace. Now, some of us do this during the winter months. We go to, we go to Florida. We go somewhere where it's nice and warm. And history shows us that this is normal. Right? King Artaxerxes might have left for the winter and went to a different palace. He had palaces all over. And lo and behold, people back then are like people now. In the wintertime, when it gets cold, they want to go somewhere warm, right? We haven't, like, figured that out in the last 100 years. It's been going on for thousands of years. So he may have left to go to some, like, Florida. So when I said that, I I look out, and you all are doing this right here. I mean, seriously, right? He, He gets away. Number two, the king might not have been in the proper mood. He might not have been in the mood for it. Uh, Back in the day when you were going to approach the king for something, you would seriously wait for his mood to be in the right way. Uh, And we know that with our spouses, right? If we have something like that I want for 
I don't know, my graduation for my doctoral thing. And I say to my wife, um, hey, it sure be nice to get a camper for graduation. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Um, be nice to get something nice. Uh, and you shoot high for a camper, and then you hope for a gun. Right? And Nehemiah wasn't a dummy. Right? So if the king is not in a good mood, he's the cupbearer. He's there all the time. He sees his mood. He knows. And so he knows when it's not fun to ask for the camper and get the gun. Right? So it may have been that he just wasn't in, a, in the right mood. Uh, because back then, if you approached the king and the king wasn't in a good mood and you asked for something that set the king off, what would happen? You, yeah, he would liable to kill you. Right? Because there's more of you where he got you. Right? I used to tell my employees that every now and again at the store. They would get all disgruntled about something just silly. Uh, and they'd threaten to, to quit. And, you know, and I would say, go ahead. Please do. That way I don't have to listen to this anymore. There's more of you where I got you. In fact, there's a stack of you where I got you. Right? And I wouldn't, we wouldn't kill him. We would just tell him to go on. But they, he would liable to kill him. The third reason is that we see in the book of Nehemiah that he wasn't a person of haste. It's not like it is today when we have to have something. When do we have to have it? We have to have it now. And I noticed that everybody said it, so it wasn't like, oh, the younger generation, they just have to have stuff now. No, the older generation has to have stuff now too, because now we can get stuff now, right? We live in a place and a time where we can get stuff now. Uh, Maya, she, when, I was a, when, she, when they were both kids and I would come home from the store, they would, we'd sit around the table and they would ask me, hey, what crazy thing happened at the store? And I would tell stories of, of the fun stuff. And so now Maya works at the store and she comes home and we say, hey, what crazy thing happened? And because of HIPAA law, she can't say the person's name or anything. But sometimes she'll say, you wouldn't believe that people will go to the doctor and the doctor will prescribe their medicine, and they run from the doctor, which is sometimes a mile or two from the pharmacy, and they'll go to the pharmacy, and they can't believe the, the, the thing's not ready yet. You know, they just can't believe that it's not, you know, that they want it now, or the, the medicine's not up for refill. It's like a day or two out because they've got so many days, and they're incredulous because we want it now, and this happens with old people, yeah? Young people? Yeah? And in between? Yeah. So we're all the same, right? So we can't say it's just one or the other. So Nehemiah, he, was, he knew, right? He wasn't a man of haste. He could bide his time. So it may have been one of these things. We don't know, right? So there's, there's a bit of time. So how does that translate to us? Whenever we're praying, whenever we have a huge need, there's times where I might call up Barbara and say, Barbara, I need you to pray for this right now, please. You know, this thing is going to happen, and I need you to lift me up before the Lord right now. And I'll call several people, right, and do that. There's other times where I might need to sit on that for a little bit. And say, Lord, let me, what are you trying to teach me with this? Right, I might confide in one or two people, but I might need to sit on that. And to say, this is okay. Right, I can wait on this for a little bit. Nehemiah waited four months before the king said, hey, what's up? Right, four months. And sometimes we have things that are a little more, right? We're waiting just a little bit more. We've got other biblical examples we can look at for that. He was a man of patience. 
we really need to learn that. We really need to learn patience. If you want to learn patience, you know what you can do to practice patience? Leave your cell phone at home for the day, and then just get back to people whenever you want to. It'll teach you patience, and it'll teach them patience. I know the, our, our kids' generation, there's something wrong if they text you and you don't get a response back within like 30 seconds. All of a sudden, they go into freak-out mode, like, they hate me, what did I do that was wrong, are they mad, right? So check, try that sometime. Leave your cell phone at home and tell your spouse before you do it, right? Hey, I'm leaving this at home on purpose. Man of patience. You know, yeah, okay, well, communication, all right, Corey? We'll do that. Yeah. And you can just have patience with Corey. Those who know us best can pray best. Imagine that, right? Those who know us best are going to pray for us the best. Why? Because they care. They know who we are. Look at Nehemiah 2.2. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very afraid. The king knew. He was there all the time. So he's looking at him. He said, hey, what's, what's going on? Are you all right today? The people who know you the best, you might not say a word. You might come in with that like fake quasi-smile that you do. And the people who know you best are going to look at you and go, hey, are you all right today? Is, is everything okay? Do you, do you have five minutes to talk? Can we, can we talk for just a few minutes? And this is amazing right here, because as a servant of the king, what was Nehemiah supposed to do? As an employee of the king and a servant, what was he supposed to do? Anybody? Supposed to be smiley, right? I guarantee you, if King Artaxerxes had an employee that walked in with, how you doing today? Well, I guess I'm all right. Could clock in today. It'd be awesome if I could clock out in five minutes. I guarantee you that dude's not going to be around there, right? He wouldn't even make it that far. So it's amazing that he even picked up on that, right? Because I'm sure Nehemiah is kind of like going through the, he's kind of smiling, and and he says, hey, what's up? I can tell your face is not right. Well, how would you feel if if your people were, you know, scattered, and the graves of your your forefathers were in ruin, and and the city wall was, oh, okay, I, I get it. Nehemiah said in verse 1, I had not been sad in his presence before. The king picked up on this problem. And those who know us well, they're going to pick up on these these issues. These are the people that we can go to. And usually these are the people that it's safe to go to. There's some people that when you have a prayer need, there's certain prayer requests, you don't need to go to them. And that's okay. Okay, hear me that it's okay. When... If, you, if there's certain folks that they say to you, hey, can I pray? Is there something in your life that you need prayer? And I can tell there's something up. It's okay to say, yeah, there's, there's something that I got going on. Uh, if you could just lift up me in general. It's okay to say that. Because guess what happens when we let out our deepest, darkest secrets to certain people? The whole town's going to know, right? And sometimes that's not a good thing. So just be mindful of that. So the king picked up on the problem. Listen to the response of those who care for you. 
Listen to the response. When I was studying, reading this part, all I could think about was my Facebook friends who get on social media and then they write, I'm sad. And that's all they write. What are they looking for? They're looking for sympathy. They want somebody to say, what's wrong, honey? Are you okay? Right? That's all I can think about when I was studying this part. Listen, listen to the response of the king. He says, why does your face look so sad? He picked up on this. Nehemiah didn't have to walk in and say, I'm sad. Right? And I don't know about you all, but when my Facebook friends write, I'm sad, you know what I do? I keep going. I'm just not the type of person who's going to go, what's wrong, honey, to the person who's asking everybody in the whole universe for a response that I'm sad. Right? When we look at the people who really love us, if we're writing on Facebook, I'm sad, we're the type of person who needs to say, Barbara, I'm sad today. And Barbara would say, why are you sad? And I would say, X, Y, and Z. And she would really pray for me. Rather than our 5,000 friends who are out there, who maybe two or three really care, and the other ones don't. Partly because we're eliciting something. We're we're looking for a, a response. I'm sad. Listen to the response of those who care for you. Verses 3 and 4, what's bothering you? Respect your audience. This is where our Facebook friends aren't respecting their audience. They're they're putting stuff out there, I'm sad, and causing other people to stop. And and I've saw some people before they write on there, I'm finished with this. You finished with your job, your family? Are you threatening suicide? What's going, you know what I'm saying? It's not wise. What's bothering you? Respect your audience. What does Nehemiah say to the king after the king says this? Check it out in 3 and 4. May the king live forever. He recognized who he was and who the king was. May the king live forever. King, you're in a place of authority. You're in a place of respect. When we talk, about, uh, when we talk to others about our prayer needs, we need to remember our audience. Just like Nehemiah remembered His audience was the king. May the king live forever. Remember that some of the people that we talk to, they might have a different denominational background than we do. Right? And so their response, when I talk to some of my friends from Hope to All, and I say, hey, I'd like you guys to pray for um, whatever. Right? I've got a pastor friend that he has in his pocket a little jar of oil. There's a good chance that he's going to put a little bit of that on me. And that's okay. Right? So just know about, about your friends and about their backgrounds and their, in your audience. So just think about that. Think about if you're talking and you're, uh, you're asking about a prayer need with a new believer. Know that some of the things that they say, whether they're a young believer or they're an older new believer in age, that they might say something that's a little off. Maybe a little, you know what I mean? And just love them anyway because they, they really love you and they want to know. What's going on? Know your audience. Know that if you're talking to a more mature believer, that you might get some sound advice. That you might, that person might dig in your life just a little bit. 
They might say, I hear this prayer need and I hear this struggle you're having in your life. If I may, could it be because of this, this, and this? And then we have to be confronted with something we might not want to have been confronted with. Know your audience. And also when we're talking with somebody, knowing our audience, don't wear your feelings on your sleeve with, with these folks. We get our feelings hurt so easily, especially when we open up. And so recognize, Nehemiah, recognize, may the king live forever. I recognize who you are. Here's another one. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Whenever we go on Facebook and we write, I'm sad, that could just mean that I'm having a bad day, or what it usually means is, one of you hurt me. I'm putting it out there for everybody to see, but I'm talking to Scott. I'm talking to Larry, and I know Scott or Larry is going to see this, right? Instead of saying, Scott, you hurt my feelings yesterday, and I didn't like it, or Larry, when you confronted me about that thing, I didn't want to be confronted about that thing. And so we say, I'm sad. And then everybody gets it, but we know that they get it. So say what we mean and mean what we say. He says, why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and the gates are destroyed by fire? What did he do? He told him exactly how he felt. Right? He didn't just say, well, I'm just, things are rough right now. How are they rough? Well, I'm just having a hard time at work. Why are you having a hard time? Right? You know what I'm saying? Why are we going to play 30 questions when we can just say, I'm struggling at home because my kids are doing such, or my wife and I are having such and such, and I'm having a hard time at work, and this, that, and the other. Right? Can you please just lift me up about that, rather than playing the 37 questions with this? If someone's going to intercede for us, don't beat around the bush with it. Just out with it. If you can. If you can. Now, when I was studying, I, I googled uh, a question I had. I thought, you know, uh, what's, a, what's a good definition of saying one thing and meaning another? You get, does, does that word pop up in the top of your head? Because it didn't for mine. Anybody? No? You guys are blank like me? Deceit? Okay. That was, that's very interesting, because I, I thought, what, what word could meet this? Because surely there's a word specifically for that. I'm just not smart enough to have it off the top of my head, so I Googled it, and here's what Google said. The first, on the first three or four hits, uh, and it's interesting that Roy said deceit, because hypocrisy was the first one. Hypocrisy. When we say one thing and we meet another, and we all talk about, well, I can't stand them hypocrites up at the church, or the hypocrites at work, or whatever, but when we say one thing and we meet another... That's us being a hypocrite. Here's another one that came up. Being facetious. And sometimes facetious is a good thing, and sometimes it's bad, but it's not very good in this context. Or duplicitous. Saying one thing and meaning another. Being duplicitous. And all of us are guilty of this at one time or another. But what we want to try to do is look to this example between Nehemiah and King Artaxerxes and say, I don't want to be duplicitous. I don't want to say one thing and mean another, especially with those who care about me, especially with those when I can walk in, in uh, if somebody walks in my office and they just look at me and say, hey, 
I don't know, I can tell things are not 100% with you today. Are you okay? Just right up front with them. Here's what's happening. I took my allergy medicine too late last night. And so guess what happened when I woke up this morning? Felt like I had a Benadryl hangover. Right? And nobody likes a Benadryl hangover. It'll be 2 o'clock before I feel good. Right? Some of you guys can pick up on that. So just be upfront and honest. Include prayer in your conversation. Look at verse 4. The king said to me, what, what is it that you want? And what did Nehemiah do next? He prayed to God. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. He stopped right in mid-conversation with King Artaxerxes and prayed. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to say, um, now Carolyn says to me, Toby, what's going on? And I have to say, all right, Carolyn, hang on a minute. I got to pray. And then we bow our heads all awkwardly, and I pray, okay, Lord, let me let this conversation go great with Carolyn, and let me not say something dumb, right? And then I can resume my conversation and act like that didn't happen, and then she can, you know, we can do that. But include prayer in our conversation. When somebody asks you, you can stop for that millisecond, right? How long does it think, how long does it take in your head to do something? Not real long. When I'm preaching, I'm doing three or four or five things in my head as well. I'm already thinking what's coming up next, right? How I biffed that last one, right? All these things. We can surely pray to the God of heaven when we're meeting someone at Walmart and say, God, direct this conversation, right? Lord, take care of this so I might do this well. Include prayer in our conversation. There are two takeaways we can see from this. Number one, we need to include prayer prior to our requests. Be praying about prayer. Does that sound duplicitous, because it shouldn't be. Let's pray about prayer. Whenever we're meeting with someone, Lord, let this meeting go well. I know we're going to pray, but let us not just banter back and forth. Let us have a good prayer conversation, just something like that. So we need to include it. And number two, that spontaneous prayer is important. Spontaneous prayer is important. I'll never forget the first time I was preaching at Maplewood and I was closing out the service. And I asked a guy if he would pray, if he would close out in prayer. And he looked at me with everybody looking at me. And he looked at me and did this right here. He was ter- He was red. He was terribly embarrassed. And guess what? I was terribly embarrassed. Because I asked somebody who obviously wasn't ready. And that's okay. And I'm not saying that all of you need to be ready for me to call on you in prayer. But surely we need to be ready to pray spontaneously. That we don't need to say, hey, all right, hey, I'll get back to you in a little bit when I can draft something that the Lord will accept. Right? Because we all know my prayers are a little rough and I don't have the best language skills in the world. So give me a few minutes and that way I don't sound so bumpkin. Right? Just let's go. All right, let's pray. Right? God listens to us who we are, where we are, with the language skills that we have. Amen? Isn't that good? Praise the Lord, because otherwise we'd be in trouble. Spontaneous prayer is important. Verses 6 through 8, state your need. Answer any questions for those who are praying for you. They may ask, how can I pray for you? How, I hear that your walls and your cities are, are rough. How can, I, how can I specifically pray this for you? I hear that your work situation is bad right now. What can I, how can I pray to the Lord that it might be a little better for you or that you might be able to handle this? We always want to get out of stuff. You notice that? 
Lord, take away this. Lord, make this automatically better. Rather than saying, Lord, give me the strength that I might deal with this situation. Lord, I know this situation is terrible at work and I'd rather it just go away and I would pray for that, but also give me the wisdom that I might deal with it, right? Because God's not like a Santa Claus that we make him out to be, that if we throw up our ten requests, that he's going to go ahead and take care of those, and if he doesn't, then we're bad Christians. He doesn't, that doesn't always work. The king and the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? What do you need? Right? I want to take care of you because I love you. You're a good cupbearer, right? You don't leave the greasy things on the side of the cup. I don't have to worry about, you know, your mouth and, and all that nastiness. You make sure it tastes good. You make sure it's the good stuff, right? You're not like that one guy who just puts in a little bit. it probably kill him later, right? You take enough that it'll kill you right now. I appreciate that, right? You're a good friend. Ask questions. And ask questions like we care, right? Like we mean them. Well, tell me about your cousin with cancer. How long you got to live? Is it bad? Right? And we do that sometimes. Right? Instead of just like having a little like concern on our face. That sounds really bad. You know, stage four? That's rough. You know, how was your relationship with this person? Was it y'all, y'all close? Um, you know, things like, like, like you actually care. Answer any questions for those who are praying for you. Here's another one. Don't be so general in your prayer requests that the other person's not going to pray. You guys already know about me. What am I not going to pray for? Does does anybody remember what I'm not going to pray for if you ask me to pray for? There are some things, Barbara, that I will not pray for you if you ask me. Do you remember one? Your cousin's mom's hairdresser's sister who's got a nephew whose stepson stepped in a pond that a friend stepped in whose mom was hurt and she has cancer. I quit listening to you when you went three deep. You, whoever comes on Wednesday night, you know that I can only go too deep. Once you go to the third one, all you got to say is, can you pray for my uncle? Yep, I'll pray for that. But I ain't praying for your uncle's hairdresser's cousin, whose name is the same as yours, who's, you know, in your, right? Who else am I not going to pray for? All the lost people. I ain't praying for all the lost people. Are you crazy? There's one way you can fix that right now, right? Here's what you can do, Amanda. Hey, pray, let's pray for all, and this is how they do it, too. Let's pray for all the lost people like they care, right? They shake their head Pray for all the lost people. Let's do it right now. Lord, I just want to lift up lost people, start with my family. I want to pray for my mom, my dad, my uncle's lost. My uncle's got nine kids. Father, I pray for Tommy and Sally. I pray for Joe. And you do that for about ten minutes. I'm not kidding. And they'll go, I ain't never asking him to pray for all the lost people. That's crazy. He was seriously going to pray for all. Hey, I've, I exhausted my family. You got a phone book? They probably all lost. Let's get that phone book. Hey, Dave, let's get a boost from Dave, and let's go in the office, and let's pray for all them lost people. You want to pray for lost people? Let's pray for all those lost people. See what I'm saying? And we try to spiritualize it. Let's pray for all the lost people. I ain't praying for all the lost people. Why don't we pray for your cousin who's lost, and he's got a name. His name Matthew. Let's pray for Matthew. 
right? Let's pray for your mom. Let's not pray for your mom's sister's cousin who's got an uncle's aunt's sister who's lost. Again, you went three deep. I ain't praying for that third deep. That sounds terrible, doesn't it, Barbara? Here's the other one I'm not going to pray for. And we do it like the lost people. We got to pray for all the sick people. I ain't praying for all the sick people. You got a sick person in your family. Let's pray for that sick person. Right? Do you see Nehemiah going to the King Artaxerxes and saying, Boy, King Artaxerxes, we need we really need to help all those kingdoms that's all crumbled all over the place because of y'all. We really need to help them all. Well, do you got a kingdom that's crumbled? Yeah, I do, but we need to really we need to help them all. No, let's work with this one. Right? Be specific. Pray for lost people. Let's pray for a lost person you know. Why? Because you care for that lost person. Why? Because God might want you to go witness to that lost person. You know who you're not going to witness to? All the lost people in the world. They lost. Oh, we should pray for them. We need, we need, they need Jesus. You ain't going to go witness to every You know what I'm saying? Never mind, all the lost people. Tell them what you need. If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors? King, this is what I need. I need safe passage. These guys are going to try to hurt me. Right, give me some letters. Put your little stamp on there and let me go. May I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, for the city wall and my house. Here's what I need some stuff. Can you take care of that for me? King Arxerxes said, yup. When we're praying for people and we're asking for prayer, Let's say, can you pray for this for me, please? You know what? When I pray for, when I don't, if I pray for all the lost people, how is God going to get glory for when he answers one of those prayers? Because am I going to even recognize when God does something? No. How is God going to receive glory if we've been praying for all the lost people and somebody comes to Christ? Right? If we're going to pray, if let's, be, let's, have, let's have integrity about ourselves. If you're going to sit here and pray for all the lost people, why don't we all of a sudden say, all right, let's pray for all the lost people. And then on the other foot, let's have a prayer and praise time going all the time for the people who are all the time coming to Jesus. Because we want to all the time pray for all the lost people, but we're not going to all the time pray for, and thank God for all the awesome things he's done answering these prayers of all these lost people's lives. You see how that works? Whenever God answers the prayer for you've been praying for your cousin Matthew who's lost, and he comes to Christ, guess what you do? You thank God, and then you tell your friends, guess what, Matthew came to Christ. We've been praying for him every single Wednesday night for the last two years. And Matthew came to Christ. And then you know what, your friends are happy. Who's tickled to death right now about those 14 people in the Philippines today who came to Christ? We don't know who those people are. Right? Toby's lost his mind. Tell them what you need. When you're at Walmart and you ask that lady who's checking you out, you know you get the $300 order, so you're there for a while, and you're trying to witness to her, and you say, hey, how can I pray for you today? And she says, you know what? My legs are killing me, and this is the only job I can get. And I just, I have a hard time standing on my legs. Do you know what you do right then? 
you pray for that lady's legs. You say, don't stop. Don't stop checking. While you're checking, you're going to pay attention to my stuff because I'm paying for that. Right? While you're checking, I'm going to pray for you. Right? Bow your head. And don't do Brother Toby prayer on a Sunday morning where you take up 10 minutes of their time and then they charge you 14 of those Dole Napa bars when you only bought one. Right? But just say, hey, let's, let me pray for you right now. Lord, give their legs strength they might make through the day so they can glorify you. Amen. Right? Tell them exactly what you need and how you can do that. Whenever somebody comes to you and says, hey, and you say, how can I pray for you? And they say, we just need to pray for all the lost. Don't do what I just said and say, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, I'm telling you as, an, you know, as, a, as a teaching time, we'll get it right, Barbara. What you need to say is, how about I pray for one lost person in your life? Can you give me the name of one lost person? Or we need to pray for all the sick. Don't say, my preacher said, I ain't, we ain't praying for all the sick. Corey. Don't do it. Yeah, here's his number. He'll, he'll be glad to pray for all the sick. We need to pray for all the sick. Hey, how about one sick person that's in your family? Right? That way you don't have to do what I just did right right here and get all dramatic like that. Hey, what's one sick person that we can pray for right now? God listens to us when we pray. God listens to us when we pray on of others. Let's be specific about it. Let's be real about it. Let's act like he really cares because he really does. If you're here today and you're not born again, you're here today and you know you are separated from the king of the universe. And you're standing like Nehemiah did before the king Artaxerxes. And you take that place of humility. What you need to say to him And I'm talking to all of you, so this is a small enough group that I can say to you, come to him in repentance. Say, Father, I want to repent of my sins. I want to say that I'm sorry for how I've treated you, how I've sinned uh, today in the past from the time I was born. The Bible says that we were born in sin. And I want to ask forgiveness of that because I know I can receive forgiveness through his son, Jesus who died in your place and in my place, that I might have a right relationship with God. This is what you might pray for when you're standing with your friend. Let me pray for your lost family member and then pray that prayer of salvation so that they might understand how they they might come to Christ if they're not a Christian. So if this is you today, I want to encourage you to come and say, Toby, I need to, I need to get this fixed. Right? Where does it say in the Bible that I need to do what you just said? And how can I pray that prayer? I want to become a child of God and have my sins forgiven for all eternity. During our time of invitation, I want you to come and talk to me about that. Our altar is going to be open if you'd like to pray for anybody. If you want to come, let me encourage you to do this. If you want to pray for those who are going out next week, we're going to evangelize at the eclipse. I want you to come and pray at the altar. If you've got anything else you want to talk to, talk to me about during this time. In today's invitational hymn, let's do all of them like we did last week. Let's do all verses, all stanzas. That way whoever's praying can have a little more time than than one stanza. And if you have any other prayer need you want to talk to me about, just come and chat with me now or after the service. And as I pray, I'll ask the uh, musicians to come. Father, we do love you.
I thank you for this time where we can uh, study Nehemiah and the precepts and principles that, he is, uh, that you have given us uh, through his, his uh, story, his testimony. Father, I pray that we might recognize that when we intercede uh, for others and when others intercede uh, on behalf of us, that you are listening, that we're to be specific, that we're to be respectful of that person, respectful of you, to be very, uh, not to be very general with our prayer requests, but, but lifting up them specifically so you know uh, exactly what we're talking about, which you know anyway, and uh, so we can uh, honor you and glorify you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today who does not know you, that today would be the day they repent of their sins and call upon you as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name.